0: Hey, this is John Zadak, TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for Late Night Reds Talk. What is going
1: on? Welcome into Late Night Reds Talk, the live show and podcast that loves the Cincinnati Reds. I am joined by my pal, Clay Snowden, for a very special edition as we take a look at what the 2024 Cincinnati Reds might look like. Uh, Me and Clay have poured a lot of labor and love into this project. Uh, We hope that you guys will like it. Uh, Just kind of taking a look at the future and seeing uh, what we think the 2024 team will look like, some some things we might like to see, um, uh, some different ideas that we have to uh, build the next great Reds team. Uh, So let me go ahead and bring in Clay Snowden. Clay, what's going on,
0: my man? Hey, how's it going? Um, Thanks for having me. I know that we love to talk about the 2024 team, especially with the way that the 2022 teams look this year. Well, we, we do want to preface this. We haven't completely
1: given up on 2023. Um, me personally, I think the Reds will probably kind of do the same thing they did this year. You know, maybe add some, some Fams and some Solanos. I think they'll try to have a competitive team next year. Uh, but as you'll see, as we kind of get into the financials, we really think that 2024 is probably lines up more for everything else. So we're not we're not punting. We're not punting completely on 2023, but we think we're hoping 2024 is the year that things really kick in into gear. Before we do any any further on that, Clay, what is your thoughts on on 2023? Do you think are you a little different than me? Do you think they have any chance?
0: No, I don't see 2023 as the year where they, you know, start building too much towards the future i could see them adding one piece and we'll get into that later Um they have and we'll get into all of this i don't want to spoil it but the money to kind of start building towards the future so if there's a 2023 free agent that this team loves they can sign that to a multiple year deal and it doesn't really change the i guess um window of comp of you know their competitive window. It doesn't really change anything. So I think 2023 will be similar to this year. But when I say similar to this year, I'm not even talking about a record. I'm talking about team construction. You know, that three and 20 whatever start really killed everything this year. I think they're more of a 500-ish, maybe a little bit below 500 team. And I think that's what we'll see in 2023.
1: All right. Very good. Well, before we go any further, I want to, as always, tell you about our friends at BetOnline, our partners here at Late Night Talk, part of the Believe Network. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BETONLINE continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. That is B-L-E-A-V 50. Again, that is B-L-E-A-V 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thanks as always to Bet Online for their continued support of late night Redstock. All right. Well, let's jump right into it Clay. Uh we are going to kind of take a dive into what we think the 2024 Reds will look like. First, I want to kind of uh give everyone an idea of where the Reds stand uh financially. As obviously, that is a uh A sore subject, but an important subject, nonetheless, as we kind of look at the future. So here's where the Reds are guaranteed contract wise. And this is what we're kind of talking about a little bit earlier. 2023, the Reds just still have 44.6 million on the books. Um, This is not including any of the players that they decide to keep in arbitration. But these are the guys that are guaranteed contracts. Uh, Vadozo, 25 million. Moustakas, 16 million. And King Griffey Jr. still pulling 3.6 million next year. 2024. Both Votto and uh, Mustakis uh, are uh, have options that year. Uh, we expect that probably both of those contracts will be declined. Uh, Votto has a seven million buyout. Mustakis has a four million buyout, and our good friend Ken Griffey Jr. has his last year of his three point six deferred uh, million dollars. So that totals thirteen point six million in 2024. So again, that's not a whole lot that that's, I mean, in terms of guaranteed money, that's, that's very, very slim. Then 2025, there is absolutely nothing on the book. And we will talk about this a little bit more as the show goes on, but we estimate that the Reds have at least $70 million in 2024 to spend on either free agents or extending players to uh, contracts or players that they could bring in via trade that, that costs some money. So the Reds are going to have quite a bit of money to spend. It'd be nice if it could be even closer to maybe $100 million, which would get kind of closer to the uh, 2020 payroll uh, pre-COVID. I've heard a lot about the word, the nasty word, rebuild. And we're trying to avoid that here on the show. And everyone goes, well, this is the same thing as 2015. I don't think that's so. And if you're watching here, if you see the graphic, the Reds had so much more money tied up at the end of 2015, going into 2016, 2017 into 2018. Uh, In 2016, the Reds had 85.6 million on the books, 2017, 70.1 million on the books. And then beyond 2018, so this is not just 2018, but 2018 and beyond. And this is several years after, you know, the rebuild started. They had 260.9 million um, in, in a guaranteed contracts beyond 2018. So the Reds are starting at a much much cleaner slate uh, than they were uh, back then. Another big piece is the farm system rankings. This is uh, if you're watching, this is the Baseball America Reds farm system rankings over the years. Uh, Baseball America has not updated since the beginning of the year, so the Reds are at number seven right now, which is their best since 2011. Uh, best before that, since 2008. So it's been a long time. Uh, since the uh, uh, the Reds had a farm system that's good, um, I know Arm has said he thinks they're probably closer to like a top five, maybe even a top three at this point. Uh, Arm Layton, of course, our friend at at justbaseball.com. Uh, always check his work out. Uh, but if you see, if you are looking at this graphic, I mean, the Reds have been in the the middle of the pack to the the back of the pack pretty much just about every year uh, between two thousand twelve through two thousand twenty. So this is a uh, um, a much different system than we've seen uh, in quite a lot. And there's uh, plenty of reasons for optimism with the Reds farm system. Um, kind of looking at the upcoming free agents at the end of the season, not a whole lot. I mean, there's not a whole lot of free agents left for, for this team. Uh, Donovan Solano, Hunter Strickland, Mike Miner, he has an option uh, that we assume will be declined. Albert Omora Jr. and Buck Farmer are the big free agents this year. <laughs> Buck Farmer made the list. That's how that's how the free agent class looks like. And then, of course, we already talked about Vado Moustakis, and then Luis Sessa is at the end of 2023. And then lastly, kind of just giving you an idea of payroll. Uh, if you're watching here on on, on the show, uh, this is a graph of the NL Central payroll in the Castellini era since Castellini uh, uh, took over as the uh, majority owner of the Reds. I just see the Reds have been pretty well middle of the pack in the NL Central, you know, kind of up and down, Uh, This is the first year that the Brewers have been ahead of the Reds since, I believe, 2012. The Reds have uh, pretty much always stayed above the Pirates outside of uh, when the Reds were uh, really in the the heat of their first rebuild. So, you know, the Reds have been above about 115 to 120 at least the last couple years. That's what we're hoping is the bottom of the the Reds as we kind of get into the next contention window. Uh, we're hoping that that 147 in 2020, the expected payroll, it didn't end up paying that much because of of uh, of COVID, but we're hoping, you know, maybe the Reds can get back up to that 140 again. Um, it, it's hard to tell which direction they'll go, but I do feel pretty confident that they are going to be spending probably at least $120 million, um as we kind of get into hopefully 2024 and the next um, um, string of contention. So I will shut up after kind of, you know, giving you that rundown, bring in Clay. Clay, what is your overall thoughts kind of looking at, you know, the Reds where they're at financially, where they're at uh, farm system wise? What's your kind of overall thoughts here as we uh, wrap up 2022, looking at 2023, 2024 and beyond?
0: Yeah, I think it's important to really take a 10,000 foot view of this payroll Um, as you can see from the graph on the screen, which those on Spotify don't get to see this beautiful graph that Nick put way too much time into, um, they're usually around the middle of the NL Central. Um, this is not a team, you know, we'll, we being Red's Twitter loves to talk about how cheap they are, and at times they are cheap, and I'm not going to deny that, but this isn't a team like the Oakland Athletics or some other teams that we've seen with, you know, the pirates with, you know, 30, 40 million dollar payrolls. There's another thing to consider as well. This all depends on how many young players are on your team. If your team is full of really good young talent, your payroll is probably naturally going to be smaller. You can also be a team full of expensive players that are past their prime and have a large payroll. So payrolls not the number one indicator of how good your team is. Now, of course, if you look at the top payrolls, it's going to be a lot of the best teams. That's true. Um, and when I think about payroll, especially going into 23, 24, how many of the positions and pitchers are going to be taken up by players still on you know their beginning contracts and still under team control where they're not making really market value and how will that, re- you know, reflect the payroll.
1: Yeah, I mean, just for an example, I think the Reds' starting rotation at the beginning of this year was significantly more expensive than than the Brewers was, and obviously the Brewers have a, you know a much better rotation than the Reds. But yeah, payroll can be very deceiving. You can have a uh hundred and thirty million dollar payroll, and you know twenty of your twenty five players are on league minimum deals, and you know that that goes a lot farther than a team that is over two hundred million. That only has a few of those guys that are on league minimum deals. Uh, and they're having to sign a bunch of um, uh, free agents. Crappy starting pitchers are expensive. Yeah. You know, Mike Miner's $10 million. And I don't think that's that crazy. Jordan
0: you know. Lyles is $7 million.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the most important thing for the Reds and really just about any team outside of maybe. I mean, it's eight, it, obviously, the Dodgers have the number one farm system in baseball, so it's still important. They're doing both, which is, makes it almost impossible to keep up with. But that's a that's a story for another time. But the most important thing is is developing your own your own players and having that core, and then you know you can worry about spending around that. because if you don't have that, there's only a couple teams that can really sustain it. Even a team like the Angels, they're spending a ton of money. They're in the top five in payroll, and they're not getting anywhere. So. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely uh, a lot more depending on that. All right, let's move on to our three guiding principles for the Reds going forward. Clay, I'm going to give you the honor of starting. Share with the folks your three principles for the Reds going forward.
0: So, just to give you an idea of how long Nick and I have been constructing this, we actually came up with this before the deadline. Um, but this is a a I guess principle that I have for, every, for everything going forward and that's to acquire the best trade packages regardless of positional needs so instead of what you know some fans were saying we need an outfielder let's go get one that's close to MLB ready well what does that tell you if a team is willing to give up somebody who's close to MLB ready with tons of years of control left and they have had you know three, four, five, six seasons of watching this player and they're ready to give up on him, that usually tells you all you need to know about them. Now, I know you'll you'll say, you know, Jake Fraley's an example, and that's true, but, you know, we gave up an all-star to get, you know, Jake Fraley in a package, and Jake Fraley still has his his limitations. Um, So, to me, it's acquired the best possible package you can get, and the Reds did this to an extent at the deadline. I mean, how many shortstops do they have now? Because you can move players around and these players are assets. That's what they are. I know it sounds dehumanizing, but prospects are assets and you can trade them again. Uh, My number two principle is bet on player tools and trust your development system. So what that means is continue to take lottery shot tickets if that's what you want to do. If these players have things that you cannot teach, you cannot teach size, you cannot you can to an extent teach you know athletic ability, but in reality you can't. Bet on tools. So if you have a player with a really good, you know, curveball or something, and you think, okay, I can develop the other pitches. That's the player you should get. Um always bet on the players with the most projectable upside and just trust your development system. That's they they've done a pretty good job developing. Um, you know, most of the players that they traded away or more or less players that they had developed. Um, and then the last, and I know a lot of people won't like this, but bullpen should command the least amount of payroll during roster construction. Now where the asterisk and caveat comes in here is kind of what I mentioned earlier. If your whole roster is under a bunch of, you know, $700,000 contracts of young players, then maybe you spend more on, on your bullpen and, The other thing about the bullpen is look around the league. Evan Phillips, not exactly an established name, is dominating for the Dodgers. Felix Batista for the Orioles, their closer now, who's electric, seven years in the minors. Each team, good, each good team and bad teams have random Joe Mantiplies pop up. And that's just what it is because it's small sample size, typically. You know, you get maybe 70 innings. Um, that's not that large of a sample size the bullpen and you'll see from my roster construction this doesn't mean only fill it with buck farmers that's not what this means that means young control, controllable players maybe like a art warren i know that nick's big on art warren um, you know sign a guy to four or five million if you want to but also continue to take those flyers on players. Some of them will pop and there's just times we've seen it in the past. David Hernandez, you know, Jared Hughes, where sometimes you bring in a guy and they're great. And the next year they're not. Um, So you need a lot of lottery tickets, but the bullpen is something that in my opinion, you should spend the least amount of money on. So I think, you know, starting pitching infield, outfield, I'll include catcher and infield. Those are, Positions that impact the game more often, in my opinion, than one relief pitcher. Now, the bullpen as a whole, um, it just should not be in a small market team like the Reds. It shouldn't be their top priority with payroll.
1: Yeah, very good. And I, I agree with all your points. Uh, I want to add a little bit and maybe ask you a question, too, about kind of the bullpen. I view bullpen more as as a luxury and if you're doing all these other steps, well, you'll have more money left over to spend on the bullpen. Yeah. But it, can't be, it can't be where you're where you're spending, you know, the, the the majority of your money. And I maybe kind of look at the 2012 Reds team. They had a great core. They had Joey Votto, they had Jay Bruce, they had all these players that were, you know, not making all that much money at that point of their career, and they were able to go out and um, acquire um, Jonathan Broxton and and Sean Marshall and Aroldis Chapman cost a little bit of money, cost some assets as well, but they were able kind of to have that luxury because they already had the other stuff in place. And I think part of the reason you don't want to jump the gun and, 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 and if you're doing other stuff in place is a lot of times you can go out and spend a lot of money on a bullpen and it completely backfired. We saw it with the Rockies a couple years ago. They went and spent like $60 million on their bullpen and all three of the guys they thought were surefire guys all just blew up.
0: And how often do we see bullpen pieces, especially on expiring deals, get moved at the deadline for not very much? It doesn't cost much. If you're a competing team, you can go out and get the Michael Givens. We saw the Reds do it. Luis Sessa, you know, you can go out and acquire these. Bad teams always have at least one or two good bullpen arms. You can give up somebody years away, typically, for, you know, if the Reds are in contention, and they're all, oh, man, we need to improve the bullpen. You can do that at the deadline at a reasonable, you know, expenditure.
1: Yeah, I think there's plenty of critiques on the Reds bullpen the last couple years. But I also think both years have kind of been the worst case scenario with injuries and just guys that just didn't pan out um, for whatever reason. So, I mean, I, I'm i not saying they're not without criticism, but I also don't think it should be a giant overreaction into oh my gosh, you know they, they have no idea what they're doing constructing a bullpen. Well, you know I, I don't think you want to go too far in, in the other direction. All right, so my three principles, just kind of adding on to Clay. My first one, and I know Clay's not as strong on this as me, and that's fine. Some good embrace debate moment here. Just kidding. Uh, but my first one, and, and the key word here is strategically lock up young talent early and often. Uh, I would really like to see the Reds this offseason uh, start to explore some contract extensions. That doesn't mean they have to extend every single one. It doesn't mean they have to extend Ladolo, Green, Stevenson, and India. If you extend everyone, then your free agent money starts to shrink because you're not going to get these guys to just completely through their early years not take anything they're going to want a little bit of a raise in those early years uh so not everyone but strategically lock up see where you can get the most value uh an example of this is Luis Castillo who was just traded i didn't think the reds should look to keep castillo and extend him at his age 30 season but the reds could have looked to extend him in 2020 and it's some of this is hindsight but they could have looked to extend him back in 2020 instead of maybe jumping $16 into Mike Moustakis uh, and, and maybe just got a couple more years, bought out his last couple years of arbitration and got a couple more years and, and had, had you know, uh, him a little bit longer. So strategically locking up young talent, it should be great deals for the team. Um, these are, you know, um, you're hoping for the the Ronald Acunas, but for every Ronald Acuña. There are plenty of other ones that haven't worked out. Uh, there's maybe one might be a of subject right now. Fernando Tatis Jr. is not exactly aging it's a very 14 well. 14
0: year deal, 14 years. Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Johan Munkata. That's three on one team. That yeah. is, now, those are good players. Well, two of them are, but injury and you know, it's just a disaster right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, but. Sometimes you'll get an Acuna. Sometimes you'll get an Ozzy Albies, two on the same team. Uh, and sometimes they will really pan out. So it, it just depends. But I think they should be looking to, you know, find some good deals, seeing what they can get. Um, I think Tyler Stevenson would probably be at the top of my list. Hunter Green, probably at the top of my list. Um, but yeah. All right. The next thing, this is the, probably one of the most controversial, is trade nearly all players of value not extended within 1.5 to 2.5 years of control remaining. So pretty much what the Reds did at the deadline. I think they should be looking to do this. Now, if you've locked up some of your players, they're not going to be at that that stage. So if they would have locked up Luis Castillo, going back to the first point, they might not have been at this stage yet where they really, as how they operate, I felt had to trade him. I felt like there was no reasonable choice not to. Uh, so that's pretty much what I would be doing. Uh, If the qualifying offer sticks around a little bit longer, that does maybe change the trajectory for some players, not all of them. Um, I I really wonder if a guy like Jesse Winker, if the Reds knew the qualifying offer was sticking around, if they may have kept him a little bit longer knowing they had that as insurance. I I will never know the answer to that, but um, that could change the trajectory a little bit on some of them. But that's that's more of the the players that are right at like that threshold that aren't going to bring back those massive returns uh, where that that comp pick is is almost as valuable as whatever return they would bring back. Uh, and then my last thing, spend the remaining money in free agency, specifically targeting short-term contracts, even high-risk indoor players under 30. So my my philosophy on this is I would rather the Reds go out and spend two years, 30 million on a, I don't know how old he was, 37-year-old Charlie Morton so where it's only two years, it's not this, you know, you know, big, long pitching contract situation. then like a 30-year-old Luis Castillo for $200 million over eight years. I'd rather have those shorter. So if it doesn't work out, well, you're not stuck with a guy in a bad contract for years and years and years. Bad contracts equal rebuilds, and that's what we want to avoid. We want yeah. to avoid any and all rebuilds. And if the Reds do it right, you don't have to rebuild. Look at the team that right down the road from us in Cleveland. They have a payroll, a third of the Reds. And year after year after year, they are competitive. They're close to 500. They're competing for playoff spots because they're trading their players early and they're drafting. And they're doing all these things that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, and I want to touch on your first point about locking up young talent. We all have to remember sometimes the player may not want to be locked up. Like It's not a video game where you just force contracts as long as the money looks good according to a computer. Um, I think too often as fans, we all assume every one of these players wants to stick in Cincinnati and wants to sign a long-term deal and wants to um, not kind of bet on themselves in a way. Um, But I I do agree for certain players that is smart. And if I had to add a fourth one here, and I'm only saying this because you mentioned Charlie Morton, mine would be never signing players over 35 years old. And I know that's like, there's so many caveats to that. And so many, well, how about Nelson Cruz or how about this? To me, it doesn't matter. Like I'd rather get burned on the 12 to 15% of deals that work out after 35 than sign up players that are not 35 and see the massive decline that typically happens. The only exception I would have to that is certain bullpen arms um, just because of the wear and tear so much less than other players but to me stay away from 35 plus year old players use the money elsewhere
1: yeah and, and the reds have certainly made a lot of mistakes over the years we're not here to say they haven't but the one thing they really haven't made a mistake too often on is extending players how many players have the reds not extend have, have the reds have reds fans wanted the reds to extend and it backfired not many of them. I can think of a lot more examples of, of, of players, even myself included, thought were sure things. I thought Johnny Quaid was probably a sure thing back in the day. And the contract never really panned out all that well. There are so many examples of players that that we all wanted extended. Maybe not all of us, but a lot of Reds fans wanted extended. Yeah, Scooter. And they're just, you know, so that's, I think, probably the one thing the Reds maybe have 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 done uh, uh, the best over the years. All right. So moving on, this is our 2024 arbitration estimates. I made up these numbers completely myself. So please don't get out your calculator and, you know, get me on this. Uh, I'm not an expert, but I just kind of looked at the the numbers, what other players in similar situations have gotten just to kind of give you a rough idea. Uh, so here's kind of what we got. I'll just kind of run through this list. Um, um, I'm not going to explain the whole arbitration process because I probably would butcher it, google arbitration uh but you have uh, one two three and four um basically one is is the the lowest level so a player in arbitration one is not going to get as much uh up to four is the highest you can't go down so once you're if you in arbitration one you get 1.5 million you can never get below that Uh, but the teams also have a right to decline and basically let the players go every year so We'll probably-
0: non non tender. If you've heard that term before and you were unsure, that's pretty much a team saying, we don't think you're worth your arbitration number. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Kyle Farmer non-tendered then re-signed?
1: Yep. He was non-tendered resigned, like I think the same night yeah. uh two years ago. He was he was tendered a contract this past offseason. But yeah, Kyle Farmer's gonna start to get expensive. Uh I have him at six point five million. Honestly, I could see him being higher than that. Um, by the time he gets, this will be his final year, 2024. Um, Nixon Zell, I have him at six. He's a crapshoot. He could go way up. He could go way down. I have no idea. That was my best guess. Uh, Lucas Sims at five million. Jeff Hoffman at four million. Tyler Stevenson at six point five million. I think he's going to get really expensive quick in his first year of arbitration. Uh, Jonathan India at four million. Uh, Don at three. Antone at two, uh, Aramis Garcia at two, Aquino 1.75, Barrero 1.5, Barrero could could go up or down, but won't we'll be that much because it's only his first year. And then Fraley at 1.25. So I'd probably say barring trades, because I think these guys do have trade value the Reds could look to move them. I think Sims, Stevenson, India, Antone, Barrero, Fraley are probably are for sure still around. Um I, I think I, I'm surprised Farmer's still on the Reds, to be honest, just because I think he gets so expensive next year. I don't know. Maybe they just kept him around because they want to push Barrero. I, that, that might be part of the, the, the trajectory in that. I'm not sure. Maybe they just like him as a left-handed masher. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, I do think... I don't really care. You know, this isn't my money. They're not spending that much right now anyway, so if they're going to pay Kyle Farmer, pay Kyle Farmer at this point. It's not, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of... I don't see him since flip a coin. If he's still here, I, I have no idea. I, I really don't Hoffman. I would be surprised if he's still here. He might get traded at some point. I could see him getting traded this off season. There's a team that, that kind of wants him done. I would love to see him stick around again. He's only made two starts though for the Reds as we're recording this. So I really, you know, don't know. And then Anton, I mean, I think he'll, he'll, he'll either be around or be very, very cheap uh by the time you know because he won't have pitched so I think he'd still be in the system but he's not going to be making any money right yeah he's either going to be good enough to earn the money or not injured enough to not cost anything so I think he'll still be there I agree I think Garcia will be gone I think Aquino probably doesn't make it that long I love it I, you know man he's got all the tools and I just you know besides I think- the bat to ball tool yeah, well, he's got the power, but huh. yeah, besides the Matt DeBalto. Yeah, and then I, I assume Barrero's is here unless he's traded, which I could see Barrero by the time 2024 gets around getting traded, you know, as, as the Reds have a bunch of shorts coming in. And then Jake Fraley. We were high on Jake Fraley long before this recent hot streak. Hopefully he's still got the hot streak going whenever we decided to release this, but yeah. Any other thoughts on the arbitrations? Nope. Did we we beat it to death? All right. So here it is, folks. This is our... 30 minutes in, you get the main event. The main event. This is the uh, projected roster for 2024 if the Reds did not make any trades or any free agents. Obviously, this is not what it's going to look like, but we do think this kind of gives you a general idea of, of where we kind of think the Reds are. So, let's start with uh, the rotation. We'll run it down. We kind of give our thoughts on it. Clay, we'll, we'll save our free agent talk for when we go to our own, but... So rotation we got Hunter Green at the top, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, Brandon Williamson, Andrew Abbott. I'll start here. I mean, I I love all five of these guys. I think these guys are are all have a lot of really good potential. I'll start with the top 3. If I'm if I'm if I'm betting, if I'm guessing, I'm betting two of those three turn out to be legit big league stars, one of them doesn't. Uh, I don't know really which one. I just if you kind of look through the numbers of of players in those you know, those type situations, that's probably how it it pans out more times than not. So I'm not gonna count on all three of those, but but I, I think banking on two of those guys to be legit big league starters, hopefully one of them to be at least kind of a star by that point, is maybe realistic. Clay, let's start with just those three. Do you agree with that? Do you feel different about those yeah.
0: three? The the chances of all three being a one, two, three in a rotation is very low. But what there is is a chance that. Either you know if Ashcraft or Green do not stick in the rotation, I think both of them would be very good high leverage relievers. So it's not a complete loss. It's not a complete bust. Um, I, I I don't see Lodolo moving to the bullpen though.
1: I see Ladolo. I see Ladolo is the safest starter out of mm-hmm. those three. But the health—that's just the thing. I it just it's hard to predict. Um, please bless that arm, uh, man. It's special. And then Williamson and Abbott. You know, I'd say maybe, hey, if one of those two are legit starters, I think we, we'd take that probably right now. Um, I know we both really like Andrew Abbott. Uh, I, I He's probably my favorite pitcher in the minor league system right now to watch as a new MILB TV subscriber. Uh, man, he's fun to watch. And uh, Williamson, I mean, he's probably going to get his taste of the big league soon. I would be surprised if he doesn't make a start this season at this point, unless he gets hurt.
0: Yeah. And, you know, he's one that I was higher on the beginning of the year. And now that I've watched him more and kind of seeing I'm not as high on them. um, Typically these type of prospects and players, I would say there's a 20 to 25% chance that one of them sticks in a rotation and is, you know, a reliable 30 start big leaguer. Um, It may even be lower than that, but I I would put a 20 or 25% than one of those two. So right there, you, I mean, you're, Probably going to have at least three big league, um, bolt or you know, cheap big league starters out of those five.
1: Yeah, all right, let's move on to the outfield. This is by far the least exhilarating part of the depth chart. This will move uh, quickly. <laughs> uh, we have Bat McLean out in left field just because there's really not a whole lot of options to throw out there unless you're throwing, you know, one of the stars out there. Uh, I like McLean a lot. I think he'll be a big league contributor by then. Uh, then we have Nixon Zell, the, the the giant crapshoot. Uh, I don't know what to expect. And then uh, I'm gonna have Jake Fraley as the he's pro- he's probably the one outfielder I feel the most confident about. I feel right. like Jake Fraley in 2024 is probably as the as a, a right left handed platoon. You know, playing every game as right and pitching just a lot of games. I feel like he's probably the most, and we we like we both like Alan Serta, uh, filling that uh other platoon spot. Um, as that it'd be awesome if it was a Kino that could that could really kind of stick it and, and, and stick there, but we're not banking on that. Clay, what's your thoughts here on the outfield?
0: No, I agree, and Serta is one of those guys who's going to bang or bust, in my opinion. So it's just time time will tell. Is
1: not much different than Aquino, really. I mean, no. they're they're very similar. So, I will see. So that's the outfield. We have some ideas on how to fix that. We'll get to those here in, here in a minute. All right, the exciting part, the infield. Oh, this is exciting. Spencer Steer at third base, Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop, Novelli Marte at second base, Christian Incarnacio and Strand at first base, and then we have. Jonathan India at DH we both have some ideas with him we'll get to in a second we felt that was probably the most likely spot to put him on here caveat I don't think we're saying India in 2024 is a full-time DH but we think they probably kind of mix and match him a little bit would be kind of our thoughts this is Clay this is the most exciting part of the Cincinnati Reds in my opinion going forward is this infield do you agree
0: yeah there's a lot of high ranked prospects, star power, um, potentials to be, you know, the fan favorites, um, all-star game type potential in a lot of these players. Yeah,
1: very good. And uh, India, I don't think he sticks to second base. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you you, you and I discussed this, and we did not know where to put him. At one point, I was saying put him in left field. We said maybe back to third base, maybe here, maybe there, Um, too short. For first base, you don't see many profiles of first base like his profiles. The lamest but simplest reason, like, oh, it doesn't happen? Well, then it probably won't happen, not because it makes sense or not. Um, DH, left field, maybe they just throw him at second. I just think there's better defensive players who could play second um, without having to push him to the bench. So why not just put him at DH? It's not like there's a huge DH player on this team right now.
1: Yeah, and then we have Tyler Stevenson behind the plate. We've exhausted that conversation, so we won't dig into why we want him there. But lad, if you move him to first base, then you got to start moving other guys around. Um, we don't really think Encarnacion Strand is probably anywhere other than first base or DH. Uh, so you're if you start move penciling guys into DH, then you're like, well, if you don't have anyone else that we can bring in for DH, we've got a good deal. For a, a, a great hitter at DH, we can't bring him in for a year. It just makes every part of the roster construction so much more difficult.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, to the bench we have Jose Barrero. Uh say his name. I'm gonna Daniel
0: it. Villahin, which Villahin. is a catcher in the organization right now in double A.
1: A guy that I really like, I really really enjoy uh, uh, watching him. Although I can't say his name, uh, Mike Ciani. And then we have Kyle Farmer. We both don't think he's going to be here, but again, we're just filling out the roster, so we have Kyle Farmer on there. Uh, I'll start. I think Barrero is going to get every chance to be the Red shortstop. If Barrero takes off the rest of this year, he has a great twenty twenty three. Elie The Cruz, I think, will get moved somewhere to another position. Barrero, it's his it's his position to lose. Now he's going to have to perform really really well to keep it. Um But I I do think Barrero is probably the best defensive shortstop in the organization up until Edwin Arroyo, Arroyo, who's a long ways away. So, yeah. Hey, Jose, it's yours. Your job, in my opinion, take it, run with it. And then, man, if he takes that, oh, boy, then you start seeing some of these other pieces, you know, kind of fill out. Maybe Spencer Steer could move out to left field. It just makes everything so much better if Jose Barrero pans out. Let's talk about Barrero for a second. What's your kind of thoughts on him, Clay?
0: Yeah, I agree, and I could see him maybe turning into a utility guy if it doesn't pan out the way that they think it does or it will. Um, he's just one of those guys that projecting him forward is so difficult because we don't know how much he's going to hit, um, but the tools are there. Um, at the, I could see him in two years. I could see it where he's traded and just you know buried in the mine or somewhere. I could see him being the starting shortstop and everything in between.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, uh, Heen, uh, got a really good bat for a catcher. Um, you know, who knows how that'll pan out when it gets to the majors, man, I feel like he could be a really nice compliment to Tyler Stevenson. If, especially if you're, you know, going to play Tyler Stevenson, maybe 40, 50 games at first base DH, try not to, 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 to limit the wear and tear. If he pans out, like we, we hope he can, he could be a really, really big asset. To, to the Reds as the, the backup catcher, but a backup catcher that plays a lot.
0: He also um, tends to walk just about as much as he strikes out, something that's very difficult to find in young players, um, a really good arm behind the plate. I, I I just love him as the backup catcher. All
1: right, and then Mike Ciani, this was your guy that you put on here, so I'm going to let you, that you convinced me to put him on here, so you tell me about Ciani.
0: Um, I just thought he'd be on here because he has that ability to play center field, which the others, I'm not sure if they will. Lefty bat, it just makes sense. Walks a, at a good clip, doesn't strike out much, has some speed. Um, I, I I don't know if he'll get there, but his kind of ceiling, I think, is a bench bat. I I, I hate to put that as someone's ceiling, but um, that's just how I see it. So uh, a little speed, good fielder, can play all three spots. Just seems like a good bench bat that's inexpensive.
1: Yeah, and then. Kyle Farmer, hey, the only thing I'll say about this, if Kyle Farmer is on this team, Reds are spending a pretty penny in 2024. So if Kyle farmer's is team, I think it's a great thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Very good. All right, to the bullpen. So start with these three. Just imagine if you could actually get a healthy TJ Antone, Lucas Sims, and Alexis Diaz. All of a sudden you go, oh, wow, that could be a really, really, really good back end of the bullpen. Right, Clay?
0: Yeah, that is incredible. That is exactly how you want it to pan out. Of course, that never happens. At this point, I just don't know about TJ Antone. Two major surgeries. Um, It just, I I personally don't want to rely on him at all. He can be the cherry on top if it comes back healthy. Um, Lucas Sims is dealt with a lot of injuries too, but we've seen Alexis Diaz this year and it's been nothing short of incredible.
1: Yeah. All right, and then kind of after those three, it's really a crapshoot. Uh, we have very different opinions, as you'll see, and we have our own teams here. Uh, we have Santion, Warren. Just Those guys are going to get every opportunity to stick, so um, it, those are their jobs to lose. And then uh, Joe Boyle, who's a fascinating player, just got promoted up to Chattanooga. He's a starter right now, but I think he probably profiles more as a can throw strikes,
0: so yeah. put him in the bullpen. Uh, but he
1: could be he could be a absolutely lethal reliever no question yeah. about it how how fast does he throw how hard does he throw
0: 100 for sure i mean i don't know how much i trust all of the minor league um guns but uh yeah he he's right around
1: 100 and then Levi Stout he is in double a yep yeah he sees a starter too right now but um, um we think he could could kind of pan out um as a reliever all right, so before we get to our teams, here's kind of the other players we'll just kind of run through. We're not going to go too um, exhausted in this, but these are kind of the other players in 2024 that are under consideration. Uh, pitchers, we have Connor Phillips, Justin Dunn, Reaver San Martin, Jeff Hoffman, uh, Levi Stout, Vlad Gutierrez, Connor Overton, Ian Jabot, Bryce Bonin, Joel Kunal, Evan Kravitz, Richie Car- Ricky Karcher, uh, Clay, of those pitchers who are some guys that you're looking at
0: um river san martin showed enough this year or has shown enough this year that i'm definitely intrigued um other than that you know vlad, if vlad is your kind of bounce up and down guy someone's injured fill in that you, you could do a lot worse than that i'll just say that um ricky karcher throws gas and has a lot of movement he also can't throw strikes so that guy can put it together. And, of course, Connor Phillips. I don't know just how fast he'll move, but they're moving him fast through the system, and he's looking incredible. And right now probably looking like the best piece from the Winker while trade.
1: Yeah, I feel like if you're watching everyone below Overton, just a giant crapshoot, you know, flip a coin. Uh, Connor Phillips, I think you could maybe put him in that that category with uh, Abbott and Williamson as maybe, like, if one of those three are a legit start, I think you feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. They're kind of in that mix. I think Phillips is really close. Um, I'm with you on Reaver San Martin. I would love for him to carve out a bullpen roll. I just didn't feel like we've seen enough to put him on there, but I, I don't think he's necessarily that far off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last guy, Connor Overton, he started out as kind of a joke. You know, when he started, yeah. he was pitching well. I mean, look at these numbers and like his field independent pitching, his XERA the last couple years. Actually, it looks pretty good. So, I hope he can get a couple more starts this year. He's gonna, you know, he's got the red side control, I think, through like 2027. Be awesome if if a guy like that could like carve out be like a legit fifth man and you could just kind of count on him. So, all right, the bats we got TJ. This is not as exciting unless <laughs> TJ Friedel, uh, Alex McGarry, Austin Hendrick, TJ Hopkins, Reese Hines, Max Schrock. Tyler Callahan, Matt Nelson, and Aristides Aquino. Clay, who are you looking at of this list?
0: I have little interest in this list. Um, TJ Friedel is just a less exciting Jake Fraley. Um, Alex McGarry has hit a lot of home runs. 24 year old in double Um, at least some intrigue there, but I, I'm not entirely sure. He kind of reminds me of the kind of the rise that like a Josh fan meter had, you know. Um, T.J. Hopkins has been hitting the ball well, but he's repeating the level that he was in last year. You kind of expect that. Um, I'm not the biggest Reese Hines guy, not a Max Rock believer. Tyler Callahan, I'm out on as well. I think Austin Callahan's even becoming more exciting than Tyler Callahan.
1: With the Tortugas, right?
0: Yeah. Um, Matthew Nelson, really an older college bad who hasn't hit, but um, is a solid defender. In a keynote.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm not
0: uh, interested in any of these guys impacting the team.
1: Yeah, I'm not I, I don't have a whole lot of hope in that. Austin Hendrick, I you just hope maybe he's that guy that it just like flick clicks for him out of nowhere. Uh good plays a good defensive right field. Um but oh, hey yeah, Dave- I just
0: skipped over him, Dan. I didn't even realize it did that. Yeah, he's been hitting a little bit better recently. There's just a lot going on with that swing that Um, I don't know, you know, when you get a high schooler out of Pennsylvania, there's a lot of questions. Pennsylvania is a terrible state for baseball. There's no competition there. So maybe it's just going to take him years longer than we realized initially for a first rounder.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was a reason he was picked that high. So, Hey, you know, maybe it'll just all pan out for him. And if it pans out for him, I think he could rise quick and get a shot called to the big leagues because he's been in the system a while. Uh, Matt Nelson would be the other guy I'm looking at. I could maybe see him being the backup catcher in 2024 if the Reds just decide to go for an all uh, defensive catcher. I don't think they will because I think they're going to not want to play Stevenson 140 times behind the plate. Uh, but I want to see it of Matt Nelson. Very, very good defensive catcher. So um, he definitely at least has that piece going for him if, if the Reds decide to go that route. All right, let's move on to our 2025 and beyond a much more exciting list. Um, I'm not going to go through all this, but the, the bats, uh, Edwin Arroyo, Cam Collier, Jay Allen, Sal Stewart, we had a hard time kind of like those four. Wow. Those are, those are good ones. Uh, Jose Torres also in there. Um, Logan Tanner also recent draft pick, uh, out of this list, who's, kind of the guys you are are most excited about here Clay.
0: Yeah, Edwin Arroyo and Cam Collier are obviously the top two. Um Jose Torres is kind of the forgotten guy that's still looking good. But um Yerlin Confiden's a guy in single A, low A, that I'm I'm pretty excited about. Um has been injured a lot this year. But give me those top two Cam Collier, Edwin Arroyo. There's definitely some good names on this list.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, kind of echo that. I guess I'm interested. Does Edwin Arroyo ever remove Ellie De La Cruz out of shortstop? Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, he's, uh, man, he's an incredible defensive shortstop for everything seen. I love Jay Allen. I- I'd love to see him kind of put it all together and rise from he's got promoted. Way. Did he Did he get promoted? To high A. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. He'll head, head to Dayton. Breaking yeah. news. That'll probably be like five days later. Uh, but very good. Uh, then the pitchers uh chase petty at the top of this list uh steve hajar andrew moore just were required in the trades uh out of this list of pitchers clay any thoughts on these guys
0: yeah a lot of these guys the way that it's listed it's about the way i feel about them luis may if he could put put it together he has some electric stuff just really has a really struggled to put it together together but he's in low a chase petty i really like um I think he's going to turn into more of like the pitcher that man. I almost said Wade Miley, but that's such a bad comparison, but that type of thing where like, you don't go out and expect him to get a thousand strikeouts and just, you know, overpower a lineup, even though he threw a hundred in high school. Cool. I, I just picture him being someone who's really going to be enjoyable to watch pitch. Um, almost like a Dylan is enjoyable to watch pitch just because he's crafty. There's some interesting names, but chase chase petty probably at the top of my list.
1: Yeah. Just, I'm excited to see Chase hopefully rise to the system pretty quick. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, take a spot in the rotations. I I think he's got all the talent. So, very good. All right. Here's uh, Nick Kirby's 2024 Red Legs. Ba-da-da-da, drum roll. All right. So, my rotation, start with there. I got Alex Wood. I was just kind of looking through the 2024 free agents. I was trying to find a free agent pitcher that was kind of like, Middle tier, you know, not going to be, I don't think the Reds are probably going to go out unless they have multiple guys just, you know, blow up and they, they have like two starting pitchers they feel good about. I don't see them going out and, and uh, getting a uh, front line starter. That thought Alex Wood might, might be going. He's honestly just kind of a guy I kind of threw in there uh, that kind of fit that mold. That that's kind of what I'm thinking of um, to add with that. I hope Andrew Abbott's that fifth, but I think there's probably three or four guys that could maybe get into that. Uh, Ian Happ is my guy that I'm having take over left field. Uh, uh, just crushed the Reds over the weekend. This was built way before that. so. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, the Ian Happ, just, he's a free agent twenty twenty-four. I think like he would fit the Reds so perfect. Uh, I think that would be a, a great fit for the Reds. Uh, and then, yeah, the other guy I have. So I have Jonathan Indy actually at first base. I, I don't know where to put him. I don't think he'll be at second base by then. Um, that's where I put him. And then Max Muncie's a free agent. I thought, hey, he'll be older. He's gonna be a lot older. Uh, but I think maybe he'd be a guy. Um, maybe if he has a bad year next year, might be a guy, hey, I want to go to Great American, increase my value. Maybe the rest could get him on, you know, maybe a two or three or deal. Honestly, maybe kind of like a, a Nick Cassianos contract the uh, the first time around uh in, in 2020. Maybe he could be a, a big bat that would just play really well at at Great American. Um I have Encarnacion Strand and Matt McClain on my bench. I think they probably find a spot. I just wasn't sure where, who they they supplant. I could see McLean taking over as a center fielder. Um, I could see Eliea the Cruz taking over at center field. They move Marte to to the uh, shortstop, and um, maybe India stays at second base, and then they have Strand in a first base or DH. So uh, I didn't have Encarnacion Strand, but I think I feel pretty confident that he probably will be a, close to everyday player by 2024 if, if things pan out uh and then my bullpen uh, i didn't actually have them adding any free agents at all uh, to that the only thing i had is that maybe is a little bit exciting is i had brandon williamson uh getting moved to the bullpen just because he's going to be kind of at that point where you can't stick him back at triple a like he's going to have to you know sink or swim so um i think that maybe would work for him any critiques
0: to my roster clay i love the in i love that um, I've always just been a biggie and a half fan for some reason. Alex woods kind of funny. Cause he's good and bad. Like it just depends on when you get him, which year, you know, or injured a lot, but I like Alex wood. I think this is a good team. I, I, I mean the changes I would make are so minor, like I would just put Marte at third steer to the bench and McLean at second, but that's it. I mean, and I could even be, you know, changed on that. I would switch India and Muncie as well. Um, and just put Muncie at first instead of India, but I mean, this, this team looks pretty good. I'm I'm gonna personally find a way to get Nixon's all out of center field, though.
1: Yeah, I i I just I go up and down with 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 poor Nick. Uh, Alex Wood, honestly, i guy like Andrew Heaney this year, like that's the kind, yeah. that that's what I wanted to find, but it's so hard to predict in 2024 who's gonna be the Andrew Heaney. I have no idea, but right. that's the guy that I would want. You know, the guy with the high upside. Uh, Maybe some, you know, some high risk, Uh, maybe you're getting on a one or two year deal. That's exactly what I want there. Uh, But last point before we move on to yours, I think you're going to kind of see a little bit, a lot of rotation at this point. Reds are having a lot of position flexibility guys, you know, maybe like Ellie De La Cruz is supplanted as a shortstop, but guys like Spencer Sear, maybe they're playing third base one day, maybe they're playing left field, the other Uh, Jonathan India, maybe he's like actually like Max Muncie, who I have on my roster. Maybe he's like Max Monksy is now where he plays some first base some second base, some DH, um, you know, wherever you can kind of get him in the lineup. But obviously, if you have him at first base, DH, it makes your defense that much better on that day. Uh, I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that with the Reds coming up. And uh, that's something I've been a long advocate of. All right. Clay Snowden's red legs. Here we go. Whoa! World
0: Series roster right here. Um, So, again, this is a thought exercise, right? We're going to be very wrong on all this, but what I try to do is put the type of player, which is what you were saying as well. Um, So it may not be this exact player, but think that profile. Think that level of player, right? So my rotation, Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Brad Keller of the Kansas City Royals. Why? Because he's not going to be super old. He's flashed at times. He's pretty good. He's a vet. He won't be too expensive, and he'll be able to at least eat innings and be a respectable Major leaguer, that's kind of the type of player I just chose. Brad Keller, sue me, Andrew Abbott. At the end, there, um, my outfield is Spencer Steer and left. I'm not married to that. 2023, I cheated. Free agent Brandon Nemo in center field. Dream scenario. We all know the Bruce story. The love Bruce
1: story. Nemo, love Nemo.
0: Nemo can become the leadoff man if need be. Um. And fills that massive hold center field one of the most important positions in all of the sport right field Jake Fraley Alan Serta that's a platoon I'm going to touch on that in a bit in the infield around the horn first base Christian Encarnacion strand power bat Matt McClain I think he's going to be a second baseman that's just how his profile fits Ellie De La Cruz superstar shortstop Noel V Marte young Manny Machado right is not what the kids are saying Behind the plate, Tyler Stevenson, D.H. Jonathan India. My bench, Jose Barrero. Kind of the infield Swiss Army knife, I think. And perfect example, oh, if somebody needs to get a break at third, maybe you move Steer to third. India to second, McLean to left, or whatever. Randall Grinchek. this is a guy who I want on this roster, and Nick can't understand why. I made him change it last minute to get him on. I actually think... Grinchak would be a great platoon if Serta doesn't pan out. Um, he can play all three outfield positions. Right now he's making $10 million. He's going to come way down on that once his deal expires um, with the Rockies. And he's the type of guy that can put up 20, 25 home runs. Um, he won't be uber expensive. He's okay in the outfield, a vet. And I, I think that's where things start to change is we can't just fill this roster with a bunch of young guys which is pretty much what we've done but um you are you are going to see some vets signed and i think Grinchak okay let, let's say Spencer sear doesn't work out and left okay well now you have a starting level left fielder as well i just like the insurance he provides i like the power he can provide and i think the contract will be good and uh, here we go i'm spending some money on the bullpen phil mattoon um Right now with the Astros, formerly with Cleveland, a vet, a really good player, Um, somebody of that caliber. Get an established guy who won't cost $10 million. Brandon Williamson's a lefty. I would rather replace that with any vet, lefty, hell, you know, somebody like a Drew Pomerantz type career arc. Not Drew Pomerantz, but that type of career arc. Levi Stout. Maybe somebody who can eat eat a few innings. There it is. That is the 2024 red legs for me. What what's the win projection total on this? 112.
1: I think they're pushing the Mariners, the the, yeah. the 2001 Mariners for sure. Yeah, no, I love I love Nemo, love Nemo. It, you know, if they could get him, I think that'd be the kind of. I think if they're looking at a guy this off season, he'd be the kind of guy if if he maybe falls on the market a little bit, maybe you're able to get a good value contract out of him. Um, or anyone kind of similar in that. All right. Well, that's about all we got for this show. Clay, any final thoughts?
0: No, it seems kind of foolish that we're talking about something two years down the road in August. But hey, that's where the Reds have put us. It's an exciting time in a way to be a Reds fan. It all just depends on your mentality. Like you can choose not to be excited or excited about the future. It's, it's literally up to you. And I don't really care. Either one you choose is fine. But um, you and I are both choosing to be excited about this team. There's plenty to be excited about, and um, I really hope that they make that type of move in 2023, a Brandon Nemo-type signing A. Hey, fans, listen, we're serious. We really are. Here's some money. We're going to show it. Establish player. Um, start to build confidence in the fan base and in the locker room.
1: And some of that, too, I think could also be built on some some extensions as well.
0: I think right.
1: that, that sure, could also, sure, sure. And, and they should be, I don't, we don't ever want the Reds to be doing things strictly for to, to make fans happy because that's yeah. never a good strategy, but I think you could be kind of kill two birds with one stone. You go and you uh, extend Tyler Stevenson this off season. Hey, and you know what? Both India and Stevenson might be a good year to, to, to extend them last year. Maybe not. They're kind of high off those, those big, Big breakout season this year. They kind of have have seen how ugly baseball can be with injuries. And, you know, hey, maybe they're like, okay, yeah, I'm a little more open to an extension than I was uh, uh, 12 months ago. So, well, Clay, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for – Yeah, uh, I love this. As always, uh, if you have not subscribed to Late Night Reds Talk on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, please do that. Subscribe, uh, like, smash the like button, review, all that stuff. Give us five stars. Helps us uh, grow the show and hopefully continue to uh, provide you more content like this. All right. For Clay, I'm Nick. Thanks for joining us tonight. Go Reds.